Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Cutback. As you all know, I am Q, and I am here with my man, Slim. Slim, what is good? What is good, Q, is that two kickers from the University of Memphis will be playing in the Super Bowl in two weeks. So, uh, you know, that's exciting time. This kicker, you. You got the, the, old, the old goat, Steven Goskowski. Uh, and then you got the kid who came through and rewrote all the kicking uh, records in University of Memphis school history and Jake Elliott, uh, the rookie kicker. And more than likely, the actual game may come down to one of these two guys making a kick. So it's going to be a stressful night for Memphis fans because we, we love both of those guys. Um, I got to say, Jake Elliott's a little more near and dear to my heart because you know, he, he was closer to my time in school. So uh, I guess I'm rolling with the Eagles, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, baby. That's what I'm talking about. We finally back in that thing, 13 years. It's been a long ride. Uh, but we finally back, and we get the rematch against the Patriots. So couldn't ask for man. a better Super Bowl. I couldn't ask for a better Super Bowl, man. I couldn't do it. You know, oh man, I'm not look, trying to hear that. Thirteen look, years. Look, Come man, on now. Well, you gonna hear it. You gonna hear it. Thirteen. I'm sorry, you a Titans fan. It's been since '99 since the Titans been there. That's not my fault. Blame it on Titans management that I've been on their ass for the last I don't know how long. All right, that, blame it on them. Hey, we'll get into that later in the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's all good though. Look, go, shout out to the Titans too, man. I, I, I mess with the Titans too. Shoot. Oh man, but congratulations to you, boy. man. Congratulations to you and the Eagles and all the crazy ass Philly fans out finally. there. But yeah, finally. But let's get started with the first game uh, on Sunday, <laughs> the AFC Championship game, where. The Jacksonville Jaguars traveled up to Foxborough, Massachusetts to play the New England Patriots. And uh, they put up a hell of a fight. Yeah, they, uh, they did. They, were, they actually had a 14-10 lead uh, going into halftime. But, but Q, I got to say, man, going into halftime, that's when I had an uneasy feeling for the Jags. Uh, now, granted, they, they kind of eased those feelings in the second half the way they came out, but Let's just go back to that first half, and the Jags are up 14-3. to um, The Patriots only scored on the very first drive of the game. They kind of marched down the field, and then uh, Gotti got that field goal. But fast forward, I think it's like four minutes left in the first half, uh, three minutes maybe, and the Jags got the ball. It's third down and 12, and Blake Bortles rolls out and completes a pass to, to get the big first down and keep the chains moving. But a flag came out, and it was a delay of game. He didn't get the snap off in time. Uh, you remember that play? Because they yeah, had to punt right after that. Yeah, costly penalty. Uh, she probably wouldn't have been called in the regular season. I see it all the time. I see it all the time where where teams get delayed games. They hike the ball at zero. So 
but you know, you're in Gillette Stadium, you're a little home cooking. That's what you get home field advantage for. You can't blame them. No, if there's one place it's going to get called, it's in Foxborough in the playoffs. Oh, you, you better know it. You better know it. And thank God the Super Bowl is not in Foxborough. Thank God, because it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be right. I'd be uneasy the whole game. Yeah, that'd be tough, man. That'd be real yeah. tough. No, I'm uh, crazy. I'd probably have to burn some shit up. <laughs> we'll get yeah. to that later in the show, too. <laughs> uh, but... So then the Jags punt after this delay of game call and uh, Tom Brady and company are coming back out. And this is when you're thinking you just can't, you can't let the Patriots score here um, or else they're going to have the momentum coming out after halftime. Uh, And that's when Barry church hit Rob Gronkowski. Uh, He was flagged for the helmet to helmet penalty. Um, and, and this is a play that Gronk actually went out of the game with a concussion. He did not return. Um, some people say that the Jags may have, this may have been in the game plan. Um, you know, it, it, it didn't really look like that. What did you think about the hit Q? It wasn't in no game plan, man. The man couldn't hit Gronk no other way. It's football. The guys are going to get hit. Like I said earlier in, in, in past podcasts, it, it's football. You know, I, I quit playing football because I got tired of getting hit like that. So if you don't want to get hit like that, don't play football. That's, you know, my advice to anybody that thinks it's dirty to hit somebody helmet to helmet. He didn't try to hit him helmet to helmet, by the way. He was trying to make a play. He was trying to make a play. Just unfortunately, Gronk, you know, he hit him in the helmet and Gronk goes down with a concussion for the out for the rest of the game. But he didn't he didn't do that intentionally. He wasn't trying to take him out the game. There's just no other way he could have hit Gronk. If you look at it, you know, in slow motion, it, it looks bad because it's in slow-mo. I mean, just like everything else, it looks terrible in slow motion. But he 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 didn't do it intentionally. It wasn't intentionally. It, it just it it is what it is with that. It, it was a football play. So, yeah, that's my take on that play. I agree. And, and it's been stated, uh, you know, several receivers have said uh, that they tell defensive backs to hit me in my head before you hit me in my knees. So, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things. You just got to take that 15-yard penalty because it is – I mean, helmet-to-helmet contact could be called on a lot of hits, you know. But uh, on, on a hit like that, they're going to call it. And and Doug Marone, the Jaguars coach, agreed with that hit uh, during his halftime interview. But the next play, Brady uh, tossed it out to Brandon Cooks deep down the field and A.J. Bouye was called for pass interference. Um, it lo- I, I don't know, Q. It looked like they were just kind of doing a little wrestling, and then there's a, the ball. The ball is really not even near them. That was another questionable call. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I said, Gillette Stadium, New England Patriots home cooking. <laughs> I, I <laughs> I, I can't imagine being a Jaguars fan. Can you like how yeah, frustrated I, I'd be, they are? I'd be, I would be pissed because both of them had their hands on each other. The, the Cooks had his hands on Bouye, and Bouye had his hands on Cook. If I'm refereeing, I'm not throwing a flag at that. That's not a flag, you know. They and the ball is out of the ball went nowhere near it. Uh, Cook, Cook, Cooks was not gonna make a play on that ball. Bouye wasn't either. Neither one of them. So. Uh, for what I've seen, when the ball's not even catchable and you see guys, you know, doing they putting their hands on each other, 
a flag is not even thrown because there's no way the receiver can get to the ball. Uh, but I, like I said, man, you, Gillette Stadium, you know, they got home field advantage and they took advantage of it. <laughs> took advantage so, of it. So I, I, I meant to mention this with the Gronk hit. You remember when Gronk basically elbow dropped that guy on the Bills? Yeah. Uh, I think it was the Bills. Yeah, it was the Bills. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that was a little yeah. karma for, for that because Gronk's play was definitely dirty. His was yeah. after the whistle. And, you know, Barry Church hit him during the play. But that was kind of the first thing that popped in my mind was like, hmm, karma is a bitch, Gronk. Yeah, she is. Got love karma. <laughs> That's why I try to but, do shit uh, that good. So I get that good good back. I can't look. Get that good good back. I get that good back. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want any part of bad karma. So uh, if you do, stay away from me, please. (laughs) Um, But on the penalty front, the Jags were flagged six times for 98 total yards, and the Patriots were flagged just one time for 10 yards. And I believe I read a stat that said this is only the second time that a team has been flagged just one time in the conference championship game. And can you guess who the other team was? Probably the Patriots. <laughs> You're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Wow, that was that was hard. <laughs> so, yeah. so anyways, after <laughs> after the back-to-back penalties, uh the the helmet to helmet and then the pass interference call. The Patriots punch it in just before halftime uh, to make it 10 to 14. But then coming out of halftime, the Jags actually put up two more field goals. They got a 20 to 10 lead until pretty late in the fourth quarter. And uh, the Patriots are driving while the Jags have this 20 to 10 lead. And Deion Lewis is breaking off a big run. And Miles Jack, the linebacker from UCLA, chases him down and just strips the ball from him. And then you see Miles Jack get up and run in towards the end zone. And then you hear all the whistles come in. Uh, and they ruled him down by contact. I, I can't remember exactly where it was, but Lewis was running into Jaguar territory. I want to say it was like around the 30. Um, yeah. But the referees blew the play dead. And we've seen this all season, Q. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it in the playoffs just recently, where they blow the play dead, and it turns out Miles Jack did not appear to be down by contact, and in fact should have been able to run that thing to pay dirt and put up six points for the Jaguars. Yeah, yeah. Don't you hate when they blow the whistle? I mean, just keep the whistle in your pocket and let the play finish out because you can always go back and review the play. You, you can, can always, go back always review it. Yeah, so I don't understand. I, man, I hate to keep I hate, I hate to keep saying this, but Gillette Stadium. Yeah, we sound like a broken record, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I hate to keep saying this, man, but you playing the Patriots. You, you probably get this in every damn Patriots game. In in, a, in any AFC championship game they play, and they play it every damn year, so you probably see the same calls down there every year. But, yeah, just let the play play out, referees. If you, if you listen to this, let it play out. You know, I always go back and review the dang play. It, it, it shouldn't be a problem to go back and review it. If you if you missed it, New York will catch it. You know, they'll hit you up. So, uh, I don't I don't know. I don't want to say it again, but I'm and I'm not gonna say it again. But because they know what I'm gonna say, the, the viewers, the listeners, they know what I'm gonna say. But 
yeah, let the play just play out. And he wasn't down. It was a clean strip, clean pickup. And if the whistles were not blown, it was a touchdown. It was a touchdown. You know, the Jags, man, they are, they are that's a legit-ass defense. They make plays, man. And that was a big play. That was a big play. It would have been bigger if they had not blown the whistles. But, man, they make plays on that defense. It was, it was, it was a good play. They do, and, and they the team usually relies on that defense. Uh, I mean, for a big play like that, if if it's not necessarily a score, it's them getting it in position uh, in opponent's territory, so the Jaguars' offense can just hand it off to Fournette. They don't have to go all the way down the field. So to me, that play was bigger than any flag or non-flag thrown in the game. Uh, that that was really what changed the game. Of course, the, the Jaguars had to punt after that. They, they, their offense basically just wasn't able to move the ball in the fourth quarter. Um, their final four drives, uh, the fourth to last one was three plays for nine yards. The third to last one was five plays for 22 yards. Uh, the, thir- the next to last one was three plays for minus one yard, and all three of those drives ended in punts. And then their final drive was six plays for 32 yards. They picked up one first down, and then it was a turnover on downs, and that's when the Patriots went to the victory formation. Um, and, and you know, while the Jaguars are doing this, you're, they're giving the ball back to Tom Brady, who finally all he needed was just a little rhythm. Uh, and he got into it w- with Danny Amendola, hit him two times for two scores, Amendola just gets better in the playoffs. Um, and an uh, interesting thing I saw on Twitter was a breakdown of these Jags final drives. And while the clock was running, um, and even after they had picked up first downs and things like that, they were snapping the ball with 12 seconds left, with eight seconds left on the play clock. So really, they they left a lot of time on the clock. And I don't necessarily think that is a a fault of Blake Bortles or the coaching staff. I think it's more just the Jags haven't been here. That this is not this is new territory for them. So I think that that issue just comes down to inexperience, not only from Blake Bortles. Um, that's obvious. You know he's playing in his first two uh, or first three playoff games ever. They play two or three. Mm, it's three. The third. They, they, the third. they beat the Bills, then the yeah. Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that just came down to inexperience. And if you got an experienced team on the other side, maybe the maybe the Patriots aren't uh, in the Super Bowl again. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely inexperienced. But even, I mean, you playing the Patriots, you playing Tom Brady, you should know not to snap the ball with 12 seconds on the on the clock. You know what I'm saying? On the whatever the clock is, shot clock, play clock, whatever you want to call it. But uh <laughs> anyway, you you know that. You don't have to be inexperienced to to, to know that. You know what I'm saying? So it just maybe a little bit of bad coaching. You know, if you call, call a timeout and and get the guys together and explain what you're doing. Because me, if I'm coaching, I'm calling a timeout. We got the lead. I'm, I'm, we got, I got to explain to the guys, look, man, we, we got to win this game. We're going to win this game, and this is how we're going to win it. We're going to run as much of that damn clock down as we can. Do not snap that ball 
at 12 seconds on that clock. Run as much of that clock down as you can, then snap it. There is no reason to be in a rush. Why are you in a, you got the lead? There's no reason to rush. You know, the ball is in your court. Uh, like you said, they were even getting first downs and were in a hurry to snap the dang ball. Like, why? Maybe it's because that the late game they got early in the game kind of spooked them a little bit. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. Maybe so. But, I mean, even you can snap the ball with three seconds, you know, two seconds. Yeah, uh, one second. Sometimes zero seconds, but not, not in that game. Not, not <laughs> right. zero in that game. <laughs> uh, but uh, we, we see experience pay off, and the Patriots go back to the Super Bowl where, of course, they had the 28-3 comeback last year over the Atlanta Falcons. But this year they will have to conquer a different type of bird as the Philly Eagles just beat the shit out of the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, this game was, unless you're an Eagles fan, this game was a snooze fest. I I turned it off at like halftime. What what was it, cute? 35 unanswered points? Yes, sir. 38, 38, 38-7 was the final score. Couldn't ask for a better NFC championship game from those Eagles. (laughs) <laughs> and that's a that's against the number one defense in the league. Number one. Just think what we can do to the Patriots in two weeks. <laughs> we'll save yeah. that for, for yeah, next we'll week's part. We'll say that. But yeah, man, they, they played great. The Eagles played great. Defense was solid. Nick Foles was solid. It was a total team effort. Like I said, I couldn't ask for a better game from them boys. Uh defense, you know. It, first of all, the Vikings come out. First possession, they just drive it down the field and just score an easy, easy touchdown, easy seven points. And I think it was just maybe a little jitters on the Eagles' defense side. They, big game, you know, you jittery. You get flat-footed when you get jittery. Um, but I think it woke them up. Offense comes on the field for our first possession, we three and out or whatever. Defense get back on the field and they make a play, a pick six. And that's when I knew. Those boys have woken up. It's about to be a game. Well, I thought it was about to be a game. And and from there, the game was just – the Eagles just dominated. They dominated the game. It wasn't nothing that, that the Vikings could do. Nick Foles, he had a hell of a game, 352 passing yards and three touchdowns. And not to mention he threw 33 passes and completed 26 of them, which is great. And – it's hard to beat us, man, when 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 our defense is clicking and then the offense is doing what they do. So it's hard to beat us. And I hope to God they can do the same thing in the next game. It's hard to repeat a game like that, but hopefully they can get close to it. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the best I've seen them look all year. Uh, and it, it was really a tale of the of the two former Rams backup quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Foles came out and he was great, like you said. And Case Keenum on the other side, uh, he, he, he kind of he he is who we thought he is. Uh, he kind of yeah. reared his ugly head and and showed the deficiencies in his game. I mean yeah. that. I told you, man. I told you that I did not believe in Case Keenum. I don't know why everybody was so hype about him. He's a good quarterback, but I—he's still suspect to me. He's a—he's still suspect. He's not great. No, he's done a lot of good things this year, but I mean, really, the way people was praising him, I was just like, "Come on, it's Case Keenum, guys." <laughs> right, right, yeah. So, 
uh, I mean, <laughs> that game is really not a lot to say. It was just the uh, old school. Uh, they, they didn't take them to the barn. They, they took them behind the barn yep. <laughs> and, and whooped them. Uh, yep. But looking forward to the Super Bowl, the Patriots may be without one or both coordinators um, as – Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator, has accepted the job for with the Detroit Lions um, to become the head coach. And then Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, is expected to take the job in Indianapolis with the Colts and Andrew Luck. Um, and then we'll just kind of continue on with the other coaching changes around the league. And uh, we'll, we'll end with the Titans' new hire, of course. The first hire was basically... Oakland hiring John Gruden. I think he's getting ten million a year, um, yeah. but you, you, he he's the QB whisperer. <laughs> and he gets a stake of the team. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, so I mean, this this has been in the works for a long time. It seems like so. I think this is the guy that uh, the young Davis wanted, and John Gruden is back in black, and we'll see what he can do with Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Came into the season with big expectations, and that Raiders team might have been the most disappointing team in the league this year. Uh, yeah, at, at least for me, I, I I thought they would be in the playoffs, no definitely. doubt. Yeah, for me too. You, they disappointed me. And yeah, shout out to were, a man Rat, man. He's a he's a he's a Raiders fan. God, lead. Oh, Rat, man. I hope uh, I hope this Gruden thing works, man. <laughs> Because something didn't work last year. I, yeah. I I can remember all the Raiders fans talking about how much better Derek Carr was than Mariota. Yeah. How much yeah. better they were than the Titans. Yeah, they both they both they both pretty good. They both would be really good in the future. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. I, uh, I don't know. Carr might be really good. You know, he got Gruden now, so he might turn yeah. out to be an elite. So yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll see about that. Those Grudens, they they got the offensive minds, man. And, of course, Gruden, all he's been doing since he's been working with ESPN is watching film, uh, breaking down quarterbacks, coming up with new schemes, I'm sure. So it'll be exciting to see uh, what he does. Um, Then we'll just keep going. The the Cardinals hired Steve Wilkes, uh, who is the Panthers' defensive coordinator, and I believe he is the only black coach to be hired so far this offseason. Yeah, um, I was watching his introductory press conference today, and uh, he had me fired up. I think the Cardinals are in good hands. Uh, I honestly, I don't know anything about him. It's all just coach speak, but he sold me on his vision for the team. And in the little <laughs> two minute clip I saw, so yeah, yeah, uh, he'll be good. He'll be good. We'll then uh, the Chicago, uh, the Chicago Bears have hired Matt Nagy, the Chiefs' offensive coordinator. So I, I don't really know anything about him, but he's a, another first-year head coach, just like Wilkes. And then McDan- the guys from the Patriots are also going to be first-year head coaches. Um, and then the Giants hired Pat Shermer, who was the Vikings' offensive coordinator. And hopefully he got a better game plan than he had on Sunday uh, for you Giants <laughs> fans out there. <laughs> I think he's also a first-time head coach. I think he may have served in an interim role before, but I think this is his first time in the in the big chair for real. So, uh, yeah. at le- hey, at least we're not rehiring Jeff Fisher and some of these same old guys out yeah, here. At least we're giving some yeah. of these young guys a chance. Good to see new faces. Good to do, see new faces. I like it. I like it a lot. 
Yep, and uh, I mean, especially after the success you've seen with some of these young guys. Uh, well, I mean, we'll we'll get into one of them with our coach of the year pick, probably. I don't know who you're picking, but I know mine's a young guy. And yeah, uh, mine too. But so Maybe. now the final hire so far, our very own Tennessee Titans have hired the defensive coordinator from the Houston Texans. Mike Vrabel, he uh, he played in the NFL for quite some time. I can remember truck sticking people with him on Madden, or I guess it's a hit <laughs> stick when you're on defense. But uh, he's another young coach, first-time head coach. He coached at Ohio State after he retired from the NFL. He coached there for, I believe, three seasons. He was the defensive line and linebackers coach. And then he uh, – went to the Texans and was a linebackers coach for a couple of years before taking over as the defensive coordinator last year. Uh, what do you think about this hierarchy? I like it. I like it a lot. Um, uh, John Robinson is, is he's trying to make them. This is a move. I like it. I like it a lot. Like I said, uh, you know, they cleared house as well. Coordinators and, and other coaches, you know, it's, it's clean. So, um, I'm interested to see who he'll bring in for the Titans, but I like the move. I like, you know, he's not an old school coach. He's he's gonna bring in some some flavor. He's gonna bring in some flavor. And that's what the Titans need. You got a quarterback like Mariota. You need some flavor in there. I've been saying that since he's been there. And I think Vrabel, you know, listening to him, listening to him talk, you know, he he's looking to build a, a nice relationship with Marcus Mariota, and that'll be great. The Titans need that 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 flavor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this is a guy who's who's not that far removed from being basically the quarterback of teams' defenses. Uh, a young guy who can relate to the players, but also is hip to the modern NFL. So I I I think it's a neutral hire. I'm not necessarily. Uh, totally for it, but that's mainly because I don't know a whole lot about Mike Brable. Uh I mean, I, I don't hate it. I, I think it's a good hire, uh, but I think a lot of it is going to depend on the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator he chooses to have around him. Um, like you said, man, we, we need some of that flavor on the offensive side, get Mariota going. Um, so, uh, you know, all in all, I, I don't think it's a bad hire, but I, I think it's it's mainly going to depend on who he can put around him uh, on his staff. And then I'm just excited that we're getting out of the ground and pound football. <laughs> man, you're flipping all kinds of papers over there, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm doing a little something over here, doing a little moving around. But, yeah, man, it's good to get away from that whatever they got going on right now in Tennessee. I don't even know what they got going on. But hopefully they be more consistent. And they have been in the past. Hopefully they can kick ass instead of, you know, squeaking by. And hopefully they can finish games. That's the biggest problem with me with them. They don't finish games the way they should. But I, I think they I think they did a good job hiring Mike Brable. So All right. So so like like we always like to say, we'll we'll let him write that that story for us. You know, we we hope we hope for the best. Uh I'm a Titans fan. Q reached for the Titans as his second team. Uh so we we hope for not, nothing but the best for the Titans organization and hope Vrabel is the, the next Belichick out there. You know, John Robinson's uh bringing over that Patriots way to Nashville. 
So uh, that's that's all the coaching hires. Q, you want? Let's get into the uh, NFL awards. Yeah. Man, so who so you MVP. got for MVP? MVP. Man, it's, I, uh, man, I got. Right now, I have two. I know it's only it only can be one, but right now I have two in mind. All right, who who you got? And you know that's Tom Brady. He's one, and then I got Todd Gurley. He's two. They both have been phenomenal this year. Uh, but if you, I'm, I'm looking at it like if you took both of those guys off of their teams, I don't think either one of them teams would be anything. They won't make the playoffs. So, uh, you know, to me, is uh, MVP is somebody that really, really, really makes a difference on their team. Uh, and, of course, your team has to be winning. And both teams have done that this year. They both have won games. They both made the playoffs. Uh, Brady has gone farther, of, co- of course. But I'm going to toss up right now with, with Gurley and, and Brady. Yeah, I, I understand that. I mean, I, I gave the nod to Brady. I just first place in the AFC, uh, once again, leading that team to one of the best records in the NFL. And I mean, Gurley's also had a great year, but I think I just got to give the nod once again to Tom Brady, Um, you know, and I'm not even a Brady fan. So I I, I think he's earned this one, but I think Todd Gurley, uh, well, I gave Todd Gurley my offensive player of the year. So I, I don't know how the voters usually do it. If they like, to me, that's kind of the same award because we're not going to give the MVP to a defensive player anymore. Like, we no. just don't do that. So, but I, I did give Gurley the nod in my, as my offensive player of the year. Yeah, uh, I team. mean, he was the best player in an electric offense, the the highest scoring offense in the league. He rushed for over thirteen hundred yards, thirteen touchdowns, also caught or, uh, yeah, hauled in 788 yards worth of receiving yards for six touchdowns, uh, really opened up a new style of his game that there were questions about if he could, you know, catch passes out of the backfield and things like that. Um, and I mean, he was electric. He, (laughs) he, like, if he, if he puts together a few more seasons like that, he's going to be, we're going to be talking about him. Yeah. And one of the goats, baby. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so that's and, and you got him as well. Yeah, as my offensive player of the year. Yep. All right. Well, well you just segued segued us uh, so well into offensive player of the year that I skipped coach of the year. But this yeah. is kind of a nice segue as well because I've got yeah. Sean McVay from the okay. Los Angeles Rams. Right. The Rams team went from the worst scoring offense in the league last year to, as I just said, the highest scoring offense in the league. Uh, went from basically being a joke, uh, no fans out here or anything. And then, you know, they make the playoffs. They're the uh, top, what are they? Two, three, or three, four seeds somewhere around there. Uh, won a lot of games that no one thought that they could win. They, they kind of, they knocked the Seahawks out of the playoffs basically. I mean, they took their spot. Uh, so I, I had to give the nod to Sean McVay. Who you got? I like I like the Sean McVay pick. I like that. Uh, I got Mike Zimmer, the Minnesota Vikings coach. He has dealt with injuries at his quarterback position, at his running back position, and he has <laughs> done a good job of bouncing back and see how far they went this year. So 
Um, but yeah, anytime you lose a, a Dalvin Cook and and you know Sam Bradford, he's pretty good, and they that it's hard not to it's hard to vote against them as 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 coach of the year. They made it all the way to the to the championship NFC championship game, and he's done a a great job with his team. He's he's kept him up. He's kept him up. It's it's you know it's easy for teams to get down. You know when you lose a couple of your best players. Especially offensively, because you don't know how the hell it's going to work for the rest of the year when you lose, like I said, a Dalvin Cook. You're running games like, damn, we lost our top back. And then you lose your starting quarterback. And you have to bring in a guy like Case Keenum. It takes a lot of guts to trust a guy like Case Keenum. Because, you know, when, when, when starting quarterbacks go down, you, you kind of trust your backup, but you don't at the same time, unless you got a, a Foles. <laughs> Oh but, shit! Come on now. <laughs> he, he, had he had to prove himself. He had to prove. He did, but but if his proving himself was back in it's 2018, now he did that years ago. Uh, but you didn't know how he was going to step in. I didn't Come know on. how he was going. I told you, there, I never, there I was never doubted in your mind. It was no uncertainty. I never said anything bad. I didn't have any negativity in my head. Because that's just the type of person you are. But deep no, down, deep down in your back heart, in 2013, I had some, 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 some searching the dust. Like, man, I don't know about this guy. But now, no, I don't. I, in 2018, I, I had no, no questions about him because I knew what he could do. I've seen it before. I've seen this movie before. We've been in this situation. Why am I going? Oh, so you think he should? You think he should have been starting <laughs> over Wentz? No, I didn't say that. I didn't oh. say that. I just said I know what we got. In our backup, I don't know what the hell the Vikings got in a damn Case Keenum, you know. But <laughs> but yeah, usually when coaches, you know, they don't trust their backup, they go look for another quarterback. So, like they did last year when Teddy Bridgewater went down, what they do? Win got Sam Bradford. So, <laughs> hey, I, I, Mike Zimmer, my coach of the year. All right, so you got Zimmer. I got Sean McVay. I think uh, you could also make a case for Doug Peterson, the <laughs> Eagles coach, uh, yeah. and uh, the Jaguars coach, Maroney, down yeah. there. So I yeah. think this year you got you got a lot of candidates who, in in other years, may uh you know be runaways with the award, but this year, uh, yeah, I don't know who it's going to be go go to. I, I don't think with any of the four guys, I don't <laughs> think you can really go wrong. So it's tight this year. Uh, what about Defensive player of the year. Who you got? Goliath Campbell. Mm. Saxonville. <laughs> 14 and a half sacks this year. That's oof, that's crazy. Yeah, that's my MVP. Not MVP, but defensive player of the year. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I I got a couple of other guys listed, but I, I got to go with Big Campbell. I mean, that defense, the best player on the best defense I think you got to go with him. Uh, a case could also be made for Aaron Donald of the Rams. He he really, I mean he it, he has a good case for it. He may actually win the award. Uh, Cam Hayward out of Pittsburgh had a big year, and then I mean even Jalen Ramsey could be in. If anybody on that Jags defense could yeah, almost I, be I in the conversation, they might give a damn award to the whole defense. <laughs> so they might. Give I'm going award with the whole defense. I'm going with big Calais Campbell like you. Yeah. Um, what about offensive rookie of the year? Who you got? Alvin Kamara. 
My man. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the dude is electric. <laughs> yeah. It don't, it, it, don't, it don't get no better than him. It don't. And, I mean, he wasn't even playing at the beginning of the year. Yes, and shout-out to the Saints, man. They did a good job draft. They do a good job drafting, guys. God, they do a good job. They look out for them in the future. Yeah, for real. Um, And and it's not like Kamara was the only guy. Uh, Kareem Hunt had a big year. And and maybe we're not talking about Kareem Hunt as much because his success was early on, and then he kind of hit that rookie wall. Uh. Also, Leonard Fournette, though, he, he had a big year. Yeah, he um, but he, he he set out a couple games. And he, was, he was injured. He had that one-game suspension, that, that weird suspension from the team. Um, so, I mean, all three of these guys, you know, as long as, they, as long as they stay healthy, should be around the league for a long time and be some of the top running backs in the league. Um, defensive rookie of the year to – to make your point about the Saints, I got Marshawn Lattimore, uh, yeah. the the rookie cornerback. I mean, he he had a great season. He, you know, the Saints defense has always been kind of just laughable, and this season they they really stepped up and is in large part to Lattimore, um, as well as uh, Marcus Williams, safety, who of course is now infamous for the missed tackle in that Vikings game. But that that Saints team is reloading. Yeah. And they're gonna let you know who who that is. Yeah. Real quick. It's coming. But I, I got him too. I got Marshawn too. Cause listen, that Saints team that Saints team should have been playing the Eagles this week. Like let yeah. let's be honest. They, they were the better team in that game. They were. They were. They should have been, but shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's how that's football for you. So uh we got two Saints as our offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year. Um, what about comeback player of the year? Mm. That's a tough one. It is. I'll tell you. Uh, I got Keenan Allen. Oh, you got Keenan Allen. Yeah, Keenan Allen. He Man, did you have him on your fantasy team? <laughs> I, I tried to get him. But uh, he got he got gobbled up before I can get him. Yeah, I had the yeah, last pick I, in, my, in my fantasy. I like having the last pick though, because I like getting that pick when I pick again. So, are uh, you in the championship? No. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you need a different pick next year. Yeah, this should have been Keenan <laughs> Allen, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I had to go with Keenan Allen too. He suffered the ACL injury. I think it was in the first game or second game of last season one of the two I want to say first and uh came back this year with 102 receptions uh 1393 yards and six touchdowns he he was he looked like an elite receiver um even better than before he's always been a precise route runner but this year he he him and Philip Rivers that they, they had a quietly good season and if if they'd have had a field goal kicker early on then they may have been in the playoffs uh, and been able to make some noise, so yeah, so yeah. Well, that's how it goes, man. Yeah, sucks uh, for them. <laughs> but they did lose some heartbreakers, man, because they of their did. kickers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they did. It was terrible. God, it was terrible. It was good for the Titans, though, because had that not happened, they wouldn't be in, Titans would be in the playoffs. Right. So, 
Whatever, man. <laughs> but I, I think that does it for the awards. Uh, you got anything else NFL related before we get yeah, into our final I segment? I got one more. I got one more award. Oh, what you that's got? The, that's the executive of the year. My man Howie Roseman has done a hell of a job this year. The Eagles. The Eagles. The Eagles. The Eagles. I assume yes. so. Yeah, you better know it. You better know it. All the moves he made. Look, man. You come out there, you, you, you this offseason, you get uh, Alshon and you grab Torrey Smith, you get went some weapons. That was number one. Then you, you kind of beef up your defense. We trade one of our, our pretty good receivers, Jordan Matthews, and we go out to Ronald Darby. We get him, and he's been good for us. Uh, he's made some moves, man. He's made some really good moves this year. That's probably why I didn't give um, – Doug Peterson, the coach of the year, which I, I mean, I, I didn't want to be biased. I didn't want to give all the awards to the Eagles. You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, executive, executive of the year is, is my man, he's, 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 he's a risk taker. Like yeah, and it definitely uh, did something with that Eagles roster, brought in the talent needed, and uh, now they got yeah. a chance to, to win the granddaddy of them all. So, uh I guess I would have to give my nod to whoever is in charge of the Saints front office because <laughs> he had a hell of a season himself. He had a hell of a draft. Um, and, and then he got rid of AP and the team kind of started getting better. So I, I, I'd have to give it to him. But uh, yeah, now let's get into our final segment. And it's something that we've been doing all across the podcast on, on the Barn Burner Podcast Network. And it's Dope or Nope. And how it's going to work, Q, is I'm just going to say a phrase to you and you just respond dope or nope. I don't need no explanation or anything, but gotcha. maybe this, you know, my idea is maybe this will help the uh, the listeners get to know us a little better. You know, everybody doesn't know us. Yeah, so, dope or nope. Uh, and shout out to the listeners, man. We appreciate y'all. Yeah, so, we do. We really appreciate uh, y'all. Each show... Each so it looks like we're we're gaining uh, you know one or two people coming on, so we appreciate y'all spreading the word, and uh, we'll be around all summer talking about NFL stuff. Uh, we'll also have Q over on the Cutback Podcast. I mean the the Backdoor Cut, uh, which is the NBA podcast. Um, yep. So we'll we'll be around all summer. We're not going anywhere just because uh, the Super Bowl will be over. Um, like yep. we said earlier, we'll be back next week with our Super Bowl preview and. We may even go live for the Super Bowl for y'all. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but enough enough of that housekeeping. Yep. Nope or nope, Q. Right. Tide Pods. Nope. Bruno Mars and Cardi B's new song, Finesse. Dope. <laughs> Klondike Bars. Dope. LeBron's... Uh, Young LeBron's letter to himself that he he posted today about reaching thirty thousand points. That was dope. Lavar Ball. Dope. Sweet potatoes. Dope and dope. <laughs> what? Uh, what? <laughs> you must like them as yams. <laughs> it just depends who's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> Uh, Budweiser. Dope. 
I thought you were a Corona man. I like Corona. I like Budweiser too. The shoot dance that has taken over the internet. Oh man, you you kids they killed me, but it's dope though. It's dope. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's all I got for dope or nope. But man, that shoot dance. It, first of all, it's, it's goofy looking. Yeah. <laughs> Second of all, it's hard to do, man. I don't know if you tried to do it around your house, man, but I don't know how they do it. They, they so, I don't know. They creative. They pretty damn creative nowadays. I don't know. They, they can have it. But yeah, I will I say, some, man, some when, some, when somebody's really hitting it, like, it, it gets me hyped, man. It yeah, gives it me, me hyped, too. I see some tennis players doing it after after one of their matches. I was like, damn, they're hype as shit because they had just won. It was clean. It was nice. Yeah, and if you hadn't seen it yet, I, I wrote an article over at The Barn Burner. That's d-barnburner.com about how this song rose uh, basically from – a neighborhood in Memphis to, uh, is now gone worldwide. The uh, soccer stars are doing the dance. Uh, <laughs> you saw NFL stars doing it. Yeah, uh, NBA players, and, and now like it's in every school hallway, uh, locker room, like yeah. anywhere that you you it's imagine dope. people it's getting crunk. This is a dope dance, man. I I, I like it. I'm gonna so, practice. Uh, so I can do it. I might do a YouTube video. <laughs> well, you make sure you hashtag shoot challenge, man. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> shoot and, your uh, shout out to Man, Blockboy JB. Shout, shout out to Blockboy. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, I'm working on mine. I'm trying to get it right for All Star Weekend. But uh, <laughs> maybe there will be video from that. So, uh, yeah. unless you got anything else, Q. Hey, that's it for me. Hey, that's Q. I'm Mace. This was another episode of The Cutback. We'll ho- holler at y'all with our Super Bowl preview. We out. Deuces.